Hello, I'm Jason Sirodin from the Orthodontic and Dentistry Digital Marketing Agency, Brain Bites Creative, and welcome to the Get It Straight podcast, where we examine the hottest topics in orthodontics and dentistry. I'm joined by my co-host, Judd John, CEO of the on-demand orthodontist, ODO. Judd, how are you? Very good. Thanks, Jay. Excited to see you today. Um, On today's show, we are talking about the science of orthodontics with Dr. Charles Taylor. Dr. Taylor has a BS in bioengineering from UC San Diego and a PhD in biomedical engineering from Virginia Commonwealth University. He has headed biomedical research development at multiple schools and is currently the director of digital fabrication at Louisiana State University Health Sciences Center. He has worked as a consultant for orthodontic manufacturers and is a thought leader in material science, software systems, and breakthrough processes at the vanguard of the industry. In other words, he's a super smart dude. You can go to the LSU School of Dentistry Department of Prosthetics Oh my, the LSU, you could go to the LSU School of Dentistry Department of Prosthodontics at lsusd.lsuhc.edu. Man, that is a mouthful. Uh, Dr. Charles Taylor, Dr. Taylor, nice to meet you. Thank you for being on the show today. Thank you very much for having me. It's a pleasure to meet you. Now, there's going to be lots of words that I don't know how to say, and Judd's going to make fun of me, and you just helped me learn how to say them. All right. Sounds good. I, 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 with, with Dr. Dr. Taylor, I'm a laggard as well, but uh, I'm, I think this one's going to be a lot of fun. Rarely do we get the intelligentsia that trans, I guess you could say transcends academia into the real world, which is, is Dr. Taylor. It's, it's not just an academic person on the call today. So yeah. Dr. Taylor, can you take us through your journey? How did you get to where you're at? Ooh, well, um, that's that's a it's an interesting story. Is uh, you know, one uh, typically when I tell this story, I say, "Hold on!" And one of the best comments I've seen come out of is that there have been no detours. So. Uh, my beginnings were actually in transgenics, uh, working for Charles River Labs on transgenic mice. I've done uh, internships at for Medical. I worked for a, a DNF spinoff pharmaceutical company uh, in San Diego, uh, building high throughput uh, lab systems, so robotic uh, lab systems for pharmaceutical discovery. Went back to grad school. I worked on cardiovascular experimental fluid dynamics. And then came to University of Louisiana at Lafayette and kind of built out the same capabilities there, um, mainly you know embedded control systems and whatnot to build really high fidelity uh, anatomical systems to test devices in. And out of that, uh, you know, 3D printing is a central role. You have to be able to realize these complex shapes and you know different material systems. And so we're making these kind of composite cardiovascular structures and. That was really where uh, 3D printing and I, you know, kind of started figuring each other out. And um, from there, I went to LSU uh, and was brought into the petroleum engineering department here to help them with uh, their experimental fluid dynamics, uh, fluid dynamics experiments uh, and full full scale well tests. Uh, which co- coincidentally, uh, a lot of cardiovascular fluid mechanics applied to and the things that are challenging that industry were actually seen in cardiovascular years ago. And so it's kind of interesting to see the blend of science there. 
And there was an opportunity that opened up at the School of Dentistry uh, to head up their uh, digital manufacturing uh, on the Stratasys J750 digital anatomy printer that we have there, multi-material printer, uh, a lot of advanced capabilities. And some of that's, that work on cardiovascular structures started applying very, uh, very well. And building that out to a contract manufacturing facility for them uh, to service not only internal, but external work as well. Is, uh, you know, was a, a key feature of bringing me in there and still kind of working on interdisciplinary projects through the campuses, engineering and the School of Dentistry and now School of Medicine. So it's uh, kind of the, the 100,000 foot flyover. And so, so what kind of products are you, are you making in the dental space currently? Like what kind of projects are you working on? Mm, uh, so uh, device testing is, is pretty central. Uh, so working with uh, established vendors on either looking at products that are coming to market or utilizations or characterizations of products that they have in their portfolio that are not you know, um, as competitive and they want to sort of revitalize uh, those product lines. That's kind of a the bread and you know, the, the middle of the middle of the road. Uh, work with a lot of startups. Uh, that's been a big build out for us with the Digital Fabrication Center because we have uh, some pretty amazing uh, prototyping capabilities through the LSU ecosystem. So helping startups kind of get their ideas off the ground, uh, getting on their prototypes cut and, and building anatomical models to show how their devices are working against uh, like a surrogate system. Uh, so you can go get some federal funding or some uh, equity investment to push into animal trials. We're also working on some uh, pretty novel materials that are coming to market. Uh, those are uh, as a blend of traditional uh, and startup uh, interests. So yeah, there's going to be some pretty exciting things coming to market in the in the next year. As you think about like R and D and like what you guys are are currently working on, how much of that is is related to? specifically tooth movement like and how do you guys how is that technology evolving well uh you know it's it's a great marriage of material science and engineering with what uh, quote unquote what you got right um and so orthodontics is seeing a, an explosive amount of growth in a novel material system being aligners right we've seen aligners just take off uh showing how a thermoplastic can transform uh, that sector of medicine and dentistry. So, you know, part of it um, with, with tooth movement, you're starting to see where additive manufacturing, the idea of like direct print aligners, uh, multi-material aligners, embedded electronics in aligners, uh, so that, you know, concept of like sensing and adaptive uh, design within the materials uh, is starting to be uh, realized. Are you, wait, sorry, are you... Are you saying that you could have an aligner in and it's it, it the plastic has the ability to change shape while in your mouth? And monitor the tooth movement while in your mouth. Holy so you know you're not you're not, on a, you're not in a stuck time course. It's now telling you, and you know, I, I you know, let's let's just kind of paint like the the far out. You get you get a notification on your aligner app on your phone that's like, hey, you're like 98% of the way there. We're queuing, you know, your next device to be delivered. Anticipate, you know, three days, right? You're going to get a new one in three days. You're not waiting at those fixed time intervals. It's adaptive medicine, precision medicine in your mouth. Uh, this might be a little controversial, but does this technology get rid of the orthodontist in 100 years? 
That's, you know, um, I've heard that argument before. Uh, and I'm not really, I'm not in the clinical side. And so that's not really my, poly, you know, my, my purview. I would say the orthodontist will always have a value point. It's just a matter of whether they evolve, right? Because the same thing can be said in medicine, you know, with a lot of surgical specialties, like, well, wait a minute, we're all going to these robotic surgeries or whatnot. Isn't that going to get rid of so-and-so? It's like, well, if they adapt and they see the lay of the land and where things are going and they embrace new technology and bring new ideas to market, then they'll stay competitive. But if they just hold on, you know, to, a, you know, an older technique, an older technology as other medical specialties that have gone by the wayside have, you know, it's the way of the dinosaur, right? So if you adapt, but if not, you know, you're in a competitive market. Question um, on that note, you know, you've worked in a wide function of medical, medical devices, biomedical, all the way into dental. And your experiences across all these segments, obviously you have the opportunity to stitch together ideas as, as, as one certain sector might be advancing in robotics and maybe another's a laggard. How does dental... Please answer dental first, dental and then orthodontics stack as far as embracing technology compared to some of these other fields that you've been into. I, one thing about dental is that I is the is the most advanced uh, practice in the course of like utilizing uh, manufacturing technology. I mean, the fact that there are dentists uh, out there that have 3D printers in their offices, you know, within a couple, you know, paces sometimes of the uh, the end clinical, you know, the point of care, right, the chair, and they're manufacturing their own products, and they're manufacturing, you know, guides and whatnot, and they have such a command of the digital space as well, the digital design and CAD CAM and whatnot. I mean, it, it's it's definitely the most advanced fabrication manufacturing uh, adoption in medicine, in, in the totality of medicine, that, that is definitely for sure. And, you know, the discussions of bioprinting and, you know, developing uh, living implants and stuff at the point of care in the discussions in that space. I mean, dental is the entry market. And that's what a lot of the players in that industry are starting to realize. Um, you know, the part that I, with dentists, dentistry also is that by provenance of the inner, uh, of the anatomy, I mean, they enjoy the uh, regula uh, lighter regulations than, say, cardiothoracic, right? And so there's a lot of speed to market considerations in this sector. And that's the part where I think dentists, is, you know, general dentists are concerned. There's such a breadth of, of technology that they, that they have their hands around that, like, taking on aligners and bringing other products into their, their uh, clinical portfolio I mean, they're the ones, right? They're the utilitarians. And so that's the part where, again, sort of going back to like orthodontry, you know, the, the value proposition, are you competitive, right? Because you got some people on this end that are very uh, fast and early adopters with technology and can bring that stuff to bear quickly. Yeah, we're, I'm saying that whenever I go to a practice to meet docs, they always have 3D printers nowadays. It's odd to go into one that doesn't. It's just which brand do they have? Yes. Which is, and which is really cool. It is. It's, it is remarkable. And that's one of the things when you, when you start, uh, you know, circling on the, on the technical side with advanced manufacturing folks, and they start talking about these under, other industries, like, you know, sticking their big toe in 3d printing. You're like, 
man, go to your dentist, like ask him to, you know, you know, or, he, you know or she or he to go show you, you know, what maybe, you know, behind your chair, you'd be shocked. I mean, you know, these big press releases about, you know, Lockheed Martin or, you know, all these other things, oh, adopting 3D printing. It's like, man, that's like old hat for dentistry. Dentistry is on it. It's now like, you know, they're, they're uh, joking, you know, sort of like voxel size and all the performance specifications, what resins, you know, are you locked into, uh, you know, uh, uh, maker specific, uh, or, you know, printing system specific resins, you know, and, and this idea of like, even that side and talking with the, the field now and this idea of like, well, you know, we want to be able to use these third party resins and other things are not locked into. Right. Yeah. That's the hacks, the hacker space mentality. Also, I, I really enjoy that. It's you know, cool. People custom coding. Yeah. Custom coding ExoCAD uh, design tools and whatnot. I mean, it's, it's yeah, pretty I, wild. I love I, it. I've seen some orthos playing a lot with, you know, different ways to get designs onto the material and new ways to make it cool and talking about hologram technology. I mean, the future is really cool. And, and you speaking of the future, where do you think this is all going for dentists, for orthodontics, for, for patients too? Sorry, Jack, go ahead. You said it for patients as well, because, you know, I, th I think you set the precursor in this conversation. If, you know, there's going to be a keep up factor. And that's the part that, you know, dentistry, kind of the three words that come to mind, precision, rapid, and aesthetics. And I mean, those are like the three value points in working with startups and whatnot in this space and working on their customer requirements and value propositions to market. I'm like, man, those three words are everything in this space. And, you know, when you start kind of subdividing, you know, those, those words into, you know, how that's embodied in your design. I mean, it, when you start talking about like, and for prosthodontics being a great example of this, I mean, the, the precision required in like the ceramics in the coloration and, you know, and, and when, you know, how fast people expect those implants, you know, from a, a point of a clinical decision or a, a patient acknowledgement for a, a, a course of treatment. So like having that in their mouth, I mean, if you approach other industries about that and delivering that type of precision tolerance and aesthetic in that, that sort of time frame, I mean, it makes some people's eyes flutter. They're like, it's, it, that, that, that's unreal. And you're like, that's dentistry, right? That, and now, uh, you know, with dentistry pulling in, you know, with the liners and all this, uh, you know, software driven solutions and data driven and, you know, analytics, I mean, that's, that's a whole other level. And, and, you know, what we've seen with logistics and supply chains in the last two, three years. And, you know, that's where I think you're going to start to see that sort of distributed manufacturing model that dentistry has. It's like, how, how much else can we put at the edge, right? Because supporting it from like a central lab architecture is shown in the last two years that that, that can be uh, very disruptive to clinical care, right? Like having all this stuff at your bench side can keep your practice afloat. Yeah, we saw, you know, obviously the 3D printers in ortho and dentistry are ubiquitous right now. But now you go online and you can see, you know, auto trimmers and you know mills like to you know to scallop the the plastic and the cab cam's already in place but now the cab cam can handle the anatomy of the aligner as well i just saw a company that has and i'd be interested in your take on this it's a korean company that that says that they can 
print trays without models. So print plastic without models. What's your take and how far are we from from that being a, a real thing and being somewhat prevalent? So when you say print print trays without modeling, in, not indirect bonding, you're talking about indirect bonding trays? I'm talking about 3D printing aligner trays without requirement of a, of a model as a thermoform suck down off of. So just to create the trays one, two, three, ten, 10, yeah. off you go to theoretical treatment. Direct print aligners? Oh, yeah, we're there. Yeah. I, mean, that's, that, I mean, we can do that with the systems that we have at Health Sciences at LSU now. Um, and so th there would be a couple of things coming to market this next year that are going to be very competitive on that front. Some big players, non-traditional players moving into that market. Um, and then, you know, for what we can do, uh, the question of multi-material aligners also kind of opens up. Right, because right now it's single plastic, and a lot of what you'll see in the near term is single plastic. But the printing systems that we have, so we have a, the Stratasys J750 uh, Polyjet system, and so we it's basically a 3D inkjet printer. We can print with six different materials, create multi-material systems, uh, elastic part sections, rigid sections, the whole bit. Uh, print multicolor. So just as an example, uh, like this is something we can print in one shot. Um, that's cool. Yeah. And, and we can print all sorts of um, electromechanical, you know, uh, components and whatnot with it. So the question becomes, you know, you start breaking your mind of like, now we've got a thermoform plastic sheet uh, over a model. Okay, we're going to direct print that now. But then what's the functional requirement of that aligner? Right? Do you want some sections to not have as much movement as others? And right now it's just the position of the material, right? How much differential in the plastic versus the tooth position is the creation, is the force creator, right? So now it's like, well, what if we start creating, we have more dynamic uh, control of the design space in that material. We're not just dealing with a thin section of plastic. Can we actually 3D print like plate springs? Can we print things that can be, you know, actuated, time traveling tooth movement, yeah isolated to movement what if we just want to move one or two right? which is which is a very common thing versus on mass so do you think that um so you see obviously you work with some of the bigger oems and you're familiar with this this world do you see them uh, you know the, the way products are being made and you know when my former life you we know each other I mean, it wasn't a day, a regulatory, when new aligner, it was just like getting a text message, ding, 510K, ding, 510K, ding, with, with aligners. Um, are we going to see these new startups and these type of new players that are a lot more nimble to, to be able to interlope into this community? Or is this going to be the proverbial headlock? And are there going to be, when you think of like the M&A world, I mean, where does all this go with the, your bigs and your players and then the startup community? Well, I'll tell you what, with startups, it's it's a crunch because the word, you know, the word transformative is always ubiquitous in the startup community, right? What is transformative? Iterative, uh, incremental, that doesn't make money. That's not going to get you equity investment. That's not going to really jazz anyone on what you're doing. Mm -hmm. So what are you doing that's going to transform this market? That's also parlayed against what patent claims are left in that freaking space. I mean, 
you talk about all the traditional you know, five ten k ish ideas, and if you're like five ten k mainline on something, there ain't much meat left on that bone. I mean, you got to mm-hmm. really get something in there, um, and that's the part where you know looking at what's going to come out and really be transformative. I mean, either you're going to come out with some printing process, like what you're talking about, direct print aligners, it's going to like remove a whole section of the manufacturing sequence and still deliver, you know, efficacious care, right? Because that's, that, you're still on the hook for that, right? You can't do inferior product. So now it's like, okay, well, you're going to, you're either going to highly optimize this or you've got to have some breakout concept and hit a segment, and, and, you know, hit a feature in the industry or and the patient's uh, interest that's going to set you apart. That's going to break it open. You're going to have patent claims that are isolated in that sense. You know, so you're going to have kind of open, you know, open and clear IP. You're not going to get, you know, in a tussle with, you know, Invisalign or any other, you know, the major players in a legal battle and just tank you that way. So that's the part where, you know, for startups, I think there's a lot, you know, sit back and what is going to really change it. And I think the part with the patient experience, are they with a dentist? They want to stick with a dentist. Uh, you know, is there some, is there, you know, organized, you know, a reorganization of care provision? Are there technical features they want? I mean, that's the part where I think the voice of the customer starts to play a big part in the startup. We are teeing that up for you right now, good sir. We got we got some fun Reddit comments coming later or wherever we are in time, Jay. But uh, yeah, I mean, I was going to get to that in one second right after I asked one more question. So orthodontics has historically been very slow to change. Why do you think there's a new wave coming and is there? Well, you know, I have to say I, I can't speak for the history of orthodontics. Uh, I haven't been in the field long enough, I think, to, to stand, you know, to, to make a um, you know, a, a past, present, and future claim. But uh, from my my position and my experience, um, you know, brackets and wire, and having been an orthodontic patient, um, brackets and wire's got it done. And there's a lot in that space uh, that delivered the care efficaciously. Um, the idea of that you have the teeth on the brackets and manipulating the wire, and potentially the bracket positioning, it did a great job. And there was a lot, you know, of, of excellent care delivered with that system. And I think that sometimes is also the reason is that there, it, no one knew to ask differently, right? And you know, the way that ceramic brackets, you know, the, these evolutions came out, and people realized, wow, you know, I do feel better with, you know, uh, there is an aesthetic quality of ceramic brackets. Oh, Invisalign, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm okay doing the tray thing and. You know, and just this taking a while or having, you know, that's like the finishing treatment to an or, you know, standard orthodontic care. I think it's just a matter of education. Is the patient educated or the orthodontist, you know, educating themselves and bringing other alternatives, you know, bringing alternatives or other courses of care into their treatment. That's what I think is the leveler uh, for the future is, like I said, do people adapt? Do people take in the new technology, the new method? Absolutely. All right. It's time time for the Reddit comments section. Judd's favorite point of the show where we review the best red comments of the week. All right, Judd, take it away. That is in your wheelhouse. I mean, it's piggybacking right off this conversation. We have to do a little bit of scrolling, but let me read this first. I'll give you the, the cliffs. 
This is a poster in the Invisalign subreddit that asked uh, about a bait and switch question uh, when, when this person was trying to get Invisalign. So this is a, a product materials kind of viewpoint of the consumer anchoring on, I want my Kleenex, but you gave me tissue brand X kind of conversation, right? Um, this person wants to know, you know, why uh, they, they got put into another liner uh, this this orthodontist, or excuse me, this dentist was positioning an Invisalign, and uh, another aligner was eventually delivered. There was some friction over the topic, uh, and then many other users came in and described a situation that was somewhat near. But I would would uh, like to scroll down here, if you would, Jay, to hit something I think might be material to our material scientist. Um, People are kind of sounding their own clacks on saying after reading this thread, I definitely got bait switched. I got my aligners last year in August 2022. I chose my orthodontist because he had Invisalign, which was what I want. I was willing to pay top dollar. Um, he gave me clear, correct brand. I was disappointed and kind of sad that I got a different brand, so on and so forth. And then you've got uh, patients saying, well, I hear that clear, correct is cheaper than Invisalign. Um, I, but you know, this is the brand that the orthodontist is buying, not necessarily their cost. Um, and then scroll down if you would, Jay. Um, and then, you know, there's a little bit of a direct to consumer. ULab comes in, someone sets the record straight, says ULab is uh, actually as old as Invisalign. Um, but where it gets really interesting is if you look on the right, um, you start talking about what, what makes Invisalign more expensive than any other brand brand name. And this, this user below says, to, by my, my understanding, and I'm no expert, clearly, uh, the big things uh, are quality of service, one flat cost for multiple scan and refinement rounds, and the R&D on the tray material and the attachments. You pay for the brand name, says someone else. Literally, so many other companies do better aligners and cheap costs. Scroll down, Jay. Um, and that person got downvoted to like <laughs> well, to the core, right? And don't don't say that. <laughs> uh, what other companies do better aligners? Invisalign seems to be the only company with aligners that custom cut to fit your gum line. We'll stop right there. All kinds of crazy preconceived notions. Maybe some true. Maybe some not. These are the most common threads, by the way, on, on Reddit, which is I wanted Acura and I got Ford and damn it, I'm leaving. Um, what's your take? Well, there was a comment there uh, talking about Kleenex, right? Everyone says, go get a Kleenex. Uh, you know, tissue asking uh, your child, I have a three-year-old. I say, hey, go get some tissue. I mean, it's a it's a crapshoot. It can be paper towels. It can you be don't say Kleenex, do you, Dr. Taylor? Or do you, you say know, I say Kleenex, she knows what to go get. So that's the part that um, you know, there's a lot and there was a lot of comments in there that that spread uh, across. I think, you know, it, it's hard to pick up um, there is an intermediate, there is a clinician in there that is selling the product. And so the, the vernacular the terms that they use are important, right? They say Invisalign. Then they're talking about Invisalign. If they're talking about aligners and educating the patient, well, you know, what's what's the aligner versus Invisalign? Well, okay, you know, Invisalign is an aligner. There are other options. 
and being clear what the value points in another product may be. I mean, that's part of their clinical responsibility. Um, you know, it, with the product features that they're talking about, I mean, that obviously spans you know, uh, different product offerings, but understanding what are the you know, differentiating factors for the patient. Is it cost? Is it time? You know, is it some of the features? Um, it's also how the clinician's managing that product delivery experience, right? Someone that's very well-versed in another product system uh, could provide an excellent patient experience. It doesn't necessarily have to be, you know, uh, uh, the top, you know, the top product for that field. So that's, that's what's so challenging, but I think that's where Reddit is a great point where to mine that information because, you know, for a company looking at this, I would highly value those points saying, man, do you, our, 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 our product position could be highly impacted by the tools and the, and the clinician education that we're providing to make that a seamless experience. I mean, if some people are sitting down and are feeling the lack of a good product delivery experience to the clinician, that's, that's alarming, right? That, you know, if they, if a clinician is pulling up that type of interface in front of a patient and a company had better be paying attention to what's on that interface, um, you know, and, and, and that's a heck of a lot different than them saying, you know, you know, sir, madam, let me, I'll be right back. I'll go get the information you need. And if they're drawing up in real time and, and, and working with a patient there, then that's something to highly value. Um, so yeah, they, uh, on those Reddit comments. I mean, some good. Well, this thread, there is, sorry, I'm getting all in here. There, there is a, uh, there's one comment that, that some other aligner system was provided and, and what's becoming a trend in Reddit is people are recommending, patients are recommending to other patients. So that you legitimize that they're using the right system, ask them for your smile morph or your treatment plan, because there's a narrative certain systems cannot provide a projected treatment plan. Well, my partner, Dr. John Warford, our friend, Dr. Carell often says is, um, you know, teeth don't track to projected tooth movements quite so often, right? But there's a, there's a feel good factor in all of that. And, you know, I think there's a big piece of this conversation that tacks back to an earlier question from Jay, which is, the orthodontic history in the, in the community and in their, their rapidity towards acceptance of new technology. And, you know, there's a lot of older orthodontists out there that might say that, you know, Invisalign usurped the clinician in, in putting, uh, putting out the information directly to the consumer, which compelled eventually the clinician to adapt because the consumer was asking for the product. And now you get this sort of, reverse control uh, happening from, uh, you know, the, the patient and what they're looking for. And, and you know, and, you know it, it's a fascinating uh, community, uh, this subreddit. And I think it's, you know, I, I agree with you for any practicing ortho or dentist, go there, read it, because it's fascinating. If, they, if there's a perception of them using a different product, then it's an automatic association that you know by some that they're trying to save money on their end and it's an operational cost type of thing. When, you know, for example, you know, my partner, Dr. John Warford, he loves spark aligners and he sees 
uh, you know, less refinements in his hands, right? Um, he loves the plastic. Um, the cases are, you know, he's done AB controls with, you know, by arches with patients, sees a, a real enthusiasm with patients on the clarity of the bracket. Um, but that's just one example, right? And, and so it, it's, it's, there's just such a really massive delta between what's going on and perception. I mean, it's a race and many manufacturers have won many big races and it's a factor of the car, you know, the, the driver, the team, everything around it. And there's been the underdogs that have come through because it all just worked really well for them. And so that's the part where, you know, other, you know, certain clinicians can deliver product very, you know, so other, you know, certain products very well. I think, you know, for the features and benefits, I mean, that's where the, the, the uh, vendors have really got to put forward, like, what do they, what were their prioritizations in the design? Like, what are the things that they went into that market? You know, let's just pick like Spark. I mean, what were the features that they, they saw competing with and beating Invisalign on, right? Um, and I think, you know, the voice of customer, making it clear what they wanted back. And what you talked about, you know, with, um, you know, sort of this reversion of, or inversion of power of, of, of you know, the patient clinician uh, in orthodontics with the advent of aligners. I mean, that's, that's the human experience, right? You hear the same thing from a small town shop about Amazon in the pandemic and, and whatnot and how it's just like, man, it just blew us apart. It's like, well, you, know, you need to have an online game, right? You need to understand your customers, speed of delivery, things that you can do that Amazon cannot. Uh, and, and to pick them as an example, as that, as an example. So, you know, if you're offering another product system, I mean, understand the people in your community and who you're treating, what are their value points? Mm -hmm. And, you know, if there is something like a, a poor interface or a poor delivery mechanism for that vendor that fits their needs, then there's a point from the clinician saying, well, you know, I got to work a little harder, right? If the car's not running so well and the driver's got to step up to win the race or, you know, the team's got to make the pit stops better. You know, it's like, okay, there's, there's factors that need to balance out with this. And so I'm not saying that, you know, there's, you know, something like that, that is inferior that can be instrumental. It's just a matter of the clinician saying, well, yeah, the end user interface is pretty rough. So I'm not going to pull out the laptop next to the patient and walk them through this. Mm -hmm. uh, and you know, like what you said about the dynamic, I mean, it all comes back. We all would like to see people receive proper and excellent dental care. And like I said, it's, you know, it's a, a few key features in that. So it's a matter of like, well, who gets to do that, right? Who's going to pick up and, and, and answer that need? And if, you know, orthodontists are unhappy about, um, you know, aligners, I mean, there are other value propositions in orthodonture that can be aligners. You know, we talked about lingual brackets and, you know, these other types of, you know, uh, non-wire uh, force systems and whatnot. I mean, the, the innovation is there. And so what are you, you going to do to, to address and beat out aligners? And like, you know, what we talked about with startups, there's other technology. It doesn't have to be a thermoform sheet of plastic. And so you can get back in the driver's seat with this stuff. It's just you know, how, how are you going to push, you know, get that ball rolling? How are you going to put, you know, put yourself back in the, in the innovation driver's seat and answer the needs of the customer? 
Lots to think about. Thank you so much, Dr. Charles Taylor, PhD at the LSU School of Dentistry, Department of Prosthodontics. I hope I said that right this time. It was really awesome to chat with you and, and so cool to hear about all the awesome science stuff that's happening in the industry that's going to change the world for patients and doctors. And thanks again for being here. Um, if you want to learn more about the LSU School of Dentistry, go to lsusd.lsuhc.lsusd.lsuhc.edu slash pros.html. Thank you so much for being with us today. On behalf of On Demand Orthodontist and Brain Bites Creative, we are the Get It Straight podcast, and we will see you next time.